God, I just pray that you would just fill David now with your spirit, that you would just anoint his words and that you would speak to us through him, I pray. Amen. Is that any better? Yes, it is. Good, good. As Will said, we are in Ezekiel, and we're looking at a section in chapter 37 this week, which I hope will come up on the screen, and I will read it to you. Is it a bit boomy? A little bit boomy? Thanks, Jerry. Is that better? That sounds good. So Ezekiel is in... Babylon, or the area of Babylon. He's been taken there by the Babylonians, and he's preaching to the folk back in Jerusalem. And I'll come a bit more to that in a moment. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Joseph, that is to Ephraim, and all the Israelites associated with him. Join them together into one stick, so they will become one in your hand. When your people ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and of all the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick. I will make them into a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand." Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of all the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back to their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and the vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding. And I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I give to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. And, my, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Two sticks. At this moment, if I'd got the technology right, which I confess I didn't, you would have had a couple of pictures on the screen, one of a dog with two sticks, Betsy, as she is, some of you may know her, and one with a prophet, 
with two sticks. And I would invite you, we don't get quizzes at the 4.30 service, I would invite you to try and identify which was which. Just in case you see me on the downs and there's a dog with two sticks, it's not Ezekiel, it's Betsy. So I just need to warn you that now before we go any further. Um, but a bit of history first, I'm, I'll keep this brief, but it does help actually to understand a little bit of what was going on. Two kingdoms, but they had been one. The promises that God made to David and to Solomon fulfilled one united kingdom subsequently broke apart after Solomon. So there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and most of the tribes are in the northern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin in the southern kingdom. And a bit of history is that in 722 BC, the Assyrians arrived and basically overwhelmed the northern kingdom and they disappeared into exile. Leaving some behind, they became the Samaritans. 150 years later, in 598, this time the Babylonians were the threat, they arrived and they didn't completely destroy Judah, they moved in, they removed into exile the leaders, the senior officers, some of the craftsmen, and they took them back to Babylon, leaving like a sort of a rump community in Jerusalem and Judah with a puppet king. And they expected this puppet king to do the job of doing what the Babylonians wanted him to do. He didn't. He had all sorts of other ideas. So finally in 587, the Babylonians arrived and just destroyed everything. They destroyed everything. That's basically the story. But Ezekiel was one of the people taken on the first occasion to Babylon. Here's the, the map. So he's talking back to people in Jerusalem 900 miles away. In Jerusalem, actually, is Jeremiah, who's giving the same message that the people of God need to be faithful to their God, otherwise trouble is going to come. So there's Ezekiel in Babylon, there's Jeremiah giving the same sorts of message. But just think of what this actually meant. Think of the promises that God had made to David, to Solomon, about a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, a king to be on the throne forever. So what happens? It gets destroyed. It gets destroyed. Ezekiel, you see, had grown up with this great story of God's saving acts. How from the slavery in Egypt, they'd been rescued, they'd been brought across the wilderness, they'd been taken across the Jordan into the land that God had promised them. And that was remembered every year at Passover. It was built into their bones, this story of God's saving acts in their story. It's the mark of God's hand on them, and that seems to have disappeared. So, it's all been blown away. What are people thinking? Some of them in Babylon, some of them back in Jerusalem. Where's it all gone? It's a story of two sticks because the promise had been made that there would be one kingdom. And it's been destroyed. It's been destroyed. 
Where is God? Was that all a mirage? Were we mistaken to believe God was with us? We cried out to him and we were destroyed. Was it all meaningless? Where is God? The sticks have been broken. It must have been hard to hear any sort of hope in that message. All they could hear, all they could see, was brokenness and barrenness. And next week, the image of the dry bones will be unpacked. Two sticks? What's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? Death and brokenness is our experience, an exile. There's something rather mundane about the two-stick image, actually. As I was reading about it, I was rather glad that I've got that Ezekiel image to work on, not some of the others. If you read the book of Ezekiel in the early chapters, I won't go there. It's strange. And some of the visual aids are even stranger, believe me. I'm glad I've got the sticks. But Ezekiel is saying something to the people, which I'm sure got back to them. There were quite efficient ways of getting messages across 900 miles in the Babylonian Empire. Probably only took a week or so with a series of horses riding from uh, uh, stop to stop. He's saying, God has still got a plan. God is going to do something for you, this people, your people. God is going to act. And you notice the, the passage speaks of restoration, of people coming back to the land. It speaks of purity, putting away all the idolatry and sin that had been accumulated. It speaks of unity, and it speaks of peace. What a wonderful image. Now, a preacher has a dilemma at this stage. All these Old Testament prophets, or some of them, are speaking into the future. So what does a preacher do? How does a preacher interpret what this passage is saying? Well, some try and see fulfillment of this particular prophecy in terms of the history of Israel as it went on through the centuries. In the second century BC, there was a Hasmonean kingdom when there was a united kingdom and a single ruler. It didn't last very long. Some people look to 1948 and see the nation of Israel established under a single ruler. Some people actually take this passage and one like it and look into the future history of Israel and say, the temple is going to be rebuilt. There is going to be a single ruler of Israel to fulfill in that particular bit of geography to fulfill this prophecy. Some go even, well, there are all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Some of them very wise if you Google it on the internet. Some of them rather weird. I go to St. Paul, which seems to me to be quite a safe place to go, because Jews of the first century, Ezekiel was a go-to book for meditation and study. There were some key things that Paul, as a good Jewish student, would have understood about the book of Ezekiel. And I expect he knew this chapter by heart. And Paul came to see how it is in Jesus 
that this prophecy is fulfilled. That it's in Jesus that all things will be restored. Not just a broken nation, but a broken world. Not just a homeland for a single people, but a home for everybody with Jesus as king. So it's not just a bit of the Middle East that is being talked about. It is God's vision for humanity, where all can feel at home, a home under the kingship of Jesus. But the downside of that is if Jesus is not king, it won't happen, because this is pointing towards the kingship of Jesus. What word do we give to this? Can we talk a bit renewal, restoration? I don't think it matters too much. Paul is saying, particularly in the book of Ephesians, that Jesus is going to ful fulfill this prophecy and others like them. Let me read to you a bit of Ephesians 1. God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Unity and peace under the kingship of Jesus. And friends, this stuff is happening now. It starts now. It's not something in the remote distant future. The kingship of Jesus is beginning to be seen and has been seen for the last 2,000 years. Sometimes, as we well know, it's hard to see it because we humans mess it up. And I, but I imagine Ezekiel's audience, and it probably wasn't a very big one, sort of sitting around him saying, well, Ezekiel, that's all very well, but, you know, the two sticks, when? Please, when? Here we are in exile. When is this going to happen? And we might say it's February 2023, 2,000 years after the coming of Jesus. When? Two sticks. All I see is brokenness. I look around in our world and I see bitterness and anger. I see hurt and betrayal. I see brokenness in nations, in families, in churches. I see brokenness in how we relate to the environment as well as how we relate to one another. I see dysfunctional government. I see brokenness between the rich and the poor, between the marginalized and the privileged, the young and the old, the vulnerable and the strong. Two sticks, how long, O oh Lord, how long? And I want to ask you and I ask myself, as we come to a passage like this, as we see how Paul takes it, do we believe God is going to do this? Do we believe God is going to do this? Or are we saying, Lord, when? When? Two sticks? Two sticks? But Ezekiel took the two sticks. And he made one. Something simple, but something very profound. 
God will bring the brokenness and heal it. He will bring the brokenness together. And 500 years later, after Ezekiel's prophecy, God did something significant with two pieces of wood. He took them and he made this. He sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross. And the moment that Jesus gave his life on Calvary was the moment when his kingship, in that sense, started. He was crowned king of the Jews with the crown of thorns. But his kingship began on Calvary. God's great work of restoration began at that moment when Jesus bled and died. And this is what Paul saw. It was so shocking at first. Paul did not get it. But Jesus spoke to him and Paul saw how that prophecy in Ezekiel was fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. I just want to take a moment, I won't spend too long on this because it could get too, too complicated, just to see what Paul was saying about how that prophecy was fulfilled. So I don't know whether, Andrew, we've got the next slide. So the prophecy in Ezekiel, my servant David will be king over them and they will have one shepherd. And that's when Paul goes on to explain how Jesus is going to be supreme, the Lord of lords, the name above all names above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God will place everything under his feet. And then there's the unity that Ezekiel speaks of, about gathering the people together into one land and bringing them back to their own land. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, talking to the Gentiles and Jews that he was addressing together, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now through Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And there was peace that Ezekiel spoke of. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and um, increase their numbers. I will put my sanctuary among them. And Paul says, my dwelling place, uh, Paul says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And going on, again, another reference on holiness. Ezekiel refers to, they will no longer defile themselves with their idols and their vile images and with any of their offensiveness. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Paul says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's you and me, friends. We are being built 
as a temple in which God lives by his spirit. That's what it looks like when Jesus is king. Unity, restoration, peace, and holiness. But I want to focus, as I finish a little bit this afternoon, on one aspect of that, one aspect of what healing of brokenness might mean, and that's particularly on relationships, the vertical relationship with us, between us and God, and the horizontal relationships between ourselves. Do you remember when Jesus was praying his prayer, his high priestly prayer, before he was crucified among his disciples? He prayed specifically for his disciples and for those who would follow them, who would be followers of Jesus, us. And he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Part of our testimony as followers of Jesus is the oneness we have with the Father and the oneness we have with one another. This stuff starts now. This stuff starts now. So as we pray, Lord, renew your church, we look to the cross and we are called to follow Jesus on his road, on his road of healing and reconciliation. As we pray, Lord, renew your church, we claim the promise that he will do so, and we begin to do our part too. As we pray, Lord, renew your church, we pray, Lord, start with us and start with me. This stuff starts now. 25 years ago, Redland was in a dark place. People were wounded, and the wounds took a long time to heal. I believe it's really important as to how we handle our differences now in 2023. We cannot come to the cross of Jesus divided. Or if we do, we cannot stay there divided. Jesus prays that we may be one as he and the Father are one. So whatever is on your heart as you look around the wider world, whether you're looking across the horrible things that are going on in different parts of the world, whether you're looking at the breakdown in community relations in our cities, whether you're looking at dysfunctional government, whether you're looking at betrayed hope in all sorts of areas, or whether it's closer to home that's on your heart, I want to offer you an opportunity to do something about that uh, as we finish now. Uh, at the end of the rows where you're sitting are little sticks and pencils. And what I'd invite you to do is to pass the sticks along, the pencils you may need to share, but I hope that each one of you will have one stick each. And I want you, if you would, to make this 
something that you pray over as you do it. And in a moment, Sue and the music group are going to come forward and we're going to sing a song as we do this, but I'll just explain, if I may, what we're going to do. Wherever you sense that brokenness that needs healing, as you take the stick, I've marked it slightly so it should just break. Hold it, as it were, before God. Lord, what are the areas? What are the places? Where are the people where I most sense brokenness, where there needs to be healing of relationships? Wherever it may be, something may be particular is on your heart. With the pencil, write on each side where that healing needs to be, between groups, between people, wherever it needs to be, where the two poles, as it were, that are currently apart need to be brought together. And then there's a table in front of the cross. And I would invite you then to bring the broken stick with the names on it and place it in front of the cross of Jesus. As it were, committing to him in your prayer, a prayer for healing in these places among these people. Is that okay? So if Sue, if you could come forward and we'll sing as we do this and make this our prayer and our song.